Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas, and this is my mama's podcast, and, and here she is. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Nine Months Podcast for episode 32. Um, for those of you that have never listened to this podcast before, my name is Lisa, and... I'm a Swedish human living in Prague in the Czech Republic, and I'm a birth nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I'm happy to bring you guys another birth story today. I uh, have been also very happy to hear your feedback for the last few weeks when I started the podcast back up again. It's really nice to hear from y'all and um, to just see that it's something that you all are enjoying and not uh, just something that I'm putting out there and, and no one's listening to. So that's very nice. So if you have something on your heart that you'd like to reach out and tell me, then please do. You can head to the to the website, ninemonthspodcast.com and share right there. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram, nine months podcast, and send me a DM there also. Um, or just go in there and like a lot of stuff and follow me because that would also be very nice. <laughs> um, today is Monday when I'm recording this and I've had a really big weekend at my yoga studios. My friend uh, David is here and he's been teaching a workshop for us and uh my brain is a little bit melted because I feel like I've been awake for about a week. So <laughs> my, apologize, my apologies if this is a little bit uh, all over the place, but that's okay. Um, so let's get into today's story. It's from Anna and Anna is a hypnobirthing coach in uh, London and I followed her on Instagram uh, a while ago and she's she's hilarious and she's she's just got this really great approach to how to handle birth and I know that we've talked a lot about hypnobirthing before on this podcast and and um we sort of break it up a little bit uh in this episode with Anna because sometimes the name hypno in front of hypnobirthing is a little bit like oh what's this it's just for is it hypnosis? Like, I don't want to be hypnotized for my birth, but it's actually just a tool, just like everything else, like calm birth or like the Bradley method or whatever it is that might be helpful that you can use as a resource to to know what's going on in your body and what can be helpful for for your birth and what kind of techniques could be helpful, what kind of thoughts are helpful, that kind of stuff. So um, we talk about that and Anna shares her um two birth stories with her two kids, uh, Ted and Martha, and how how changing in between those, in between her two kids, how changing her perspective a little bit by doing a hypnobirthing course in between changed her view of how to approach birth with her second second child. So, so this is quite an interesting story. Um, if you're looking for something to um, help you with your birth um, and to understand a bit more than and it's a good thing to to look into so um, at the very end I'll also share um, Anna's contact details and if you'd like to to do hypnobirthing with her online perhaps or if you're in London also like you could do that in person and uh, if you're here in Prague 
I will also share a few hypnobirthing links there. My friend Lucy, who's been on the podcast, for example, is a hypnobirthing coach here in Prague. So I'll share a bunch of that on the show notes page that you can uh, go and use and reach out if you are interested in doing a course yourself. Okay, lots of talking and um, let's get into today's birth story. Welcome to the podcast, Anna. Hi, Anna, and welcome to the Nine Months Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, thank you for trusting me with your stories today. Um, Would you like to start by introducing yourself and who's in your family and all the things you do? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So um, my name is Anna Clarkson and I am a mum based in um, East London. Uh, I'm married to Tim and I have two kids, um, Ted, who is um, eight and Martha, who is five. And I'm a hypnobirthing teacher and um, I go under the very unimaginative name um, Hackney Hypnobirthing. (laughs) (laughs) hypnobirthing teacher in Hackney go figure um which I thought would probably be very limiting in terms of the people that I would potentially attract to teach but um because I trained at the beginning of lockdown and then we kind of know well just before we locked down I should say um in February 2020 and no one really perhaps had the um knew where it was going to go um and I've I've been teaching on I actually started teaching just on zoom and so I kind of teach people all over the UK but all over the world which is amazing and I then I started doing face-to-face in August last year so yeah yeah oh that's great that's a big journey for them a big lockdown journey I should say a lot of people like resaddled when that hit so was that something that happened for you yeah, definitely. I mean, I still have a four day a week job um, at the moment. So it's kind of juggling quite a lot of stuff, but there's no question that I wouldn't have been able to scale um, this business. Um, trying to refrain from calling this little side hustle thing because it is a business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no way I would have been able to do to do it in the same way had I not been um working from home for the vast majority in that in that role in my other role I'm a PA in my other life um Mm -hmm. which uh I mean has had obviously had its challenges particularly when we were homeschooling which um you know uh, was pretty full-on um but somehow it sort of happened and I think like lots of people sort of realized that kind of um the sort of the nine to five wasn't what everyone wanted to um, you know, I guess COVID has made people really reassess priorities. And this is what I'm very passionate about. So kind of ever moving, inching closer to kind of making this my full time um, gig. So Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, guess big... it's the same for me with this uh, podcast. It also was birthed in a, in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I think it's diversifying, isn't it? And I think it's, um, it's you know, obviously there's been enormous, you know, terrible loss and tragedy and um, difficulty from COVID. But I think it has kind of given lots of positive reflection and change for people as well. So there has, has you know, no question there's been some positives out of it as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. We call it the silver linings in my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good. Good, Anna. So um, should we just jump in and start with your journey to becoming pregnant the first time then? Did you guys plan to have a baby? 
Yeah, we did. And we were sort of the unbelievably lucky people where we, I remember it really clearly, we were sat in the Clapton Heart pub and we used to live in um, Clapton. So we, uh, my husband, who funnily enough has lived in London for 14 years, has not moved outside of a square mile essentially in London, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> in East London. And um, we went to the pub and we said, oh, maybe we should have a baby. Um, and then we kind of, you know, did did the stuff. And then I was pregnant about two weeks later. So <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, so, um, yeah I mean really really lucky and I mean incredibly naive we were sort of I guess I had a couple of friends that had babies um, and we just thought it was the right time we got married a couple of years before that and um, we were both in pretty stable jobs and it just sort of felt like you know that was kind of the thing to do um, and then very you know quickly happened for us and um, I mean I had a pretty good pregnancy I felt diabolical in the first 12 weeks you know I remember calling my son the parasite that was um, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is nice and my mum was very offended by that and I was like ah, you know. um, oh I don't know if I should swear by the way but um, I have um, <laughs> and then um, but I, I definitely had, had most of my friends had had pretty sort of traumatic birth experiences and my overriding thing was well that's just going to be something it's going to be awful and I just have to basically get through it because you know that's what you do birth is just an awful thing that you just deal with and um and you get a lovely baby at the end and um so I I really slept walked into my birth um perhaps quite unusually I had a the same midwife the whole way through with my son um Mm. and she was great but I and actually she did at one point suggest that I read um Ina May Gaskin's spiritual midwifery um which of course I completely ignored because I was like yeah whatever um mm-hmm. but, <laughs> um yeah I so but I did no exercise I really just kind of you know ate whatever I wanted to eat and you know that I could manage once I was um out of that sort of first trimester and but did no preparation I mean I often joke you know if we could have done less than zero then that's what we did because truly you know just in I think I was just burying my head in the sand about it and just kind of thought well I'm just gonna have to get through it um just assuming that it was going to be awful and to be honest with you it was because (laughs) um I had that classic thing of um you know obsession with my due date which of course um went and you know came and went and um so at my 40-week appointment I had a sweep not realizing that I could um decline that if I wanted to I don't think it was presented to me that I had to but it was just like oh well let's do that and I was like okay that's what you do and no sense whatsoever that my cervix was anywhere near where it should be and all that sort of thing so immediately like oh well I'm not going to go into labor I'm of course I'm going to have an induction um and it was booked that day to for 10 days afterwards um and uh yeah just kind of this inevitable that was how it was going to be um so we went in for the induction it was the outpatient prostaglandins and actually I had a great midwife there who said to me you know you are going to go in you'll be back here in 12 hours or you will be in labor in 12 hours and actually that is exactly what happened so now it, there is a sense of regret of thinking well actually bloody hell if I just left it then I probably would have gone into labor the next day perhaps I mean I'll, I'll never know but um uh, but that's exactly what happened. So the, the gel worked. I was kind of hooked up to the, you know, um, uh, continuous fetal monitoring just to be checked. Then we went home and then it just started ramping up at, I think, kind of late night. And I said to Tim, right, I think you need to go and have some sleep and I'll just kind of do what I need to do. I think I was watching 
arrested development or something no sense whatsoever of what was actually happening in my body no understanding of birth environment of hormones any of that stuff you know so naive and it really started coming on I guess from about two o'clock in the morning three o'clock I mean I had no effort to have a rest or anything like that I was just kind of bouncing around manically on my ball thinking that that was gonna my birth ball thinking that was gonna help things um and (laughs) uh and then you know uh just every time I had what I was calling a contraction was just agony for me because I had no concept of breathing through them or any of those things and it was just as as, you know as difficult as I thought it was going to be Mm-hmm. and um so then we called a minicab and they drove us with m- after sort of much kind of panic that I was going to give birth in the back of a car you know which of course <laughs> first time often not that fast um got in I think remember I mean I have to admit a lot of this is quite hazy to me and I suspect that perhaps it's my brain sort of um protecting me a bit perhaps um but uh had a, a uh went to triage had a vaginal examination which was awful on my back of course and then um back into triage for ages I mean she did tell me I was four centimeters so that was and Tim was like you know that's great that's great so you know he really wanted to be a kind of cheerleader for me but didn't really know much else or ways to, way to comfort me um that. ended up back in triage brightly lit triage again and then I don't know what happened then eventually we got into this room but I was so panicked and so kind of like you know god what's going on I don't know what's happening I can't cope with this just you know really spiraled felt completely out of control Hmm. and um but once we got into the room and then I I think I I just didn't know what to do with myself and then I had the pethidine injection which for me just kind of made me feel a bit woozy lose track of time and then was sort of begging for an epidural so we then eventually got moved to um the labor ward so that which is a corridor apart at Homerton and so were you in the birth center first I was, I was in the birth center first exactly but yeah. I was not in the pool um and um yeah I that is very hazy I just remember it being you know it was brightly lit daytime kind of just again no understanding whatsoever about kind of melatonin and how that might how I might be able to increase my oxytocin production all those sorts of things I just felt panicked I just wanted it to kind of be over um and then the rest of the time I spent with the epidural which was such a relief you know it worked really well for me and then I had I think probably about four top-ups of that but of course I was then strapped to a bed lying on my back um and just not wanting to have feel anything because I was really tired by that point as well and every I mean I, I I did sort of have this sense of like oh I think I probably should be being active and I probably should be doing all these things and then ended up exactly as I kind of how it was going to be like lying on my back strapped to a machine which unfortunately um was broken (laughs) so uh, we discovered this when basically all of a sudden there was this dinging I think I must have perhaps moved the monitors um the continuous fetal monitoring bands um so for anyone who doesn't know that's um two um kind of circular discs are placed on your around your bump one to kind of monitor you one to monitor the baby and they are held in place by a kind of stretchy band and they move very if you move they move it's really difficult to maintain movement with them. not impossible but tricky and um that it suddenly just started dinging and suddenly it felt like a cast of a thousand people in the room all these doctors like my legs up in stirrups or feet up in stirrups rather and then they break my waters you know we're worried the baby the baby's anxious you know and all of the while I was a bit like 
oh okay kind of just not really with it um Mm. and Tim was sort of battered around the room like a kind of fly you know like you're sort of getting almost like he was getting in the way and panicked and you know anxious with that and then breaking my waters I then um I think that's the point that I then started um I got an infection from that point because I had um a chest infection after for quite a long time after he was born but um that's sort of skipping Mm. it um and then, um, so I remember spending a bit more time once they kind of readjusted the things, but then they didn't take me off this machine, which carried on dinging. So I spent the whole <laughs> of my labor in a room, brightly lit room, people floating in and out. Don't I, I think the midwife was quite sweet with me, um, but I think I went through a shift change and then uh, don't really remember them particularly clearly remember at one point then lots of doctors were in and there was a kind of conversation essentially of like and I couldn't feel anything because I'd had so much epidural by this point um so I said right well you're I think it's time to push now but if you're this baby isn't out within I don't know three more pushes then you're going for a cesarean and again I wasn't frightened by this I was just a bit like oh well that's inevitable isn't it of course it was going to be that way mm. um but uh, it, it didn't actually. I did end up having vaginal birth, but forceps, von twos, episiotomy, you know, the works. Um, and um, and then he was here, he was born, you know, lots of kind of purple face pushing and um, he, he kind of was put on my chest and they said, Anna, open your eyes. And he was there, extremely bloody. I'd had a quite a significant postpartum hemorrhage as well at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my overwhelming memory really was oh god that was a lot I'm glad that's over and looking at Tim just who was completely not devastated it's not quite the right word but just like I guess in shock like and crying just with relief that we were both alive you know and um, it was tough you know really really tough the funny thing is though I mean listening to that people might think oh my god that sounds so traumatic and I don't really remember it that way because actually I don't really remember (laughs) that much um I think it was probably more difficult for Tim than it was for me I certainly didn't have a set I do remember thinking oh my god I mean when the doctor said to me you know we do recommend that you don't have a baby in 28 weeks the 28 days and I was like oh don't get pregnant again I was like are you fucking joking I'm never doing this again um I I actually really want to get hold of my notes because um I remember the doctor writing Anna's very emotional (laughs) whatever 24 hours 48 hours on temple award later you know um yeah it uh I but I I I don't remember sort of being like oh my god that was you know that or or feeling traumatized but certainly thinking like yeah I don't want to do that again in a hurry um Mm. and I, I definitely didn't have that kind of immediate um oh god I just love this baby that that did come of course it did and I was sort of I do remember thinking quite quickly oh god he's really beautiful and how he's here and all the rest of it um but um I mean I was sort of shifted onto one kind of side ward didn't really know what was going on Tim was sent home you know so he which I think is probably ultimately a good good thing so he could kind of rest and come back and see me the next day and during the visiting hours um Mm. But yeah, it was it was difficult. And I certainly didn't come out of that thinking, oh, God, birth's an amazing experience. <laughs> you know? right. um, and um, yeah, and I, do, I don't think um, I don't think it set me up for a great postpartum experience. I mean, actually, luckily, um, I mean, 
I had a great midwife support me postnatally, so on the postnatal ward, and I was really struggling with breastfeeding, and I was, you know, kind of because I really wanted to do that, but I had not in any way prepared for it. I sort of just thought that would just happen because it was a natural mm. process, blah blah blah. Um, yeah. So she said, to, so in the middle of the night, it felt like I was the only one whose baby was screaming their head off, which I'm sure is absolutely not true, but that was how I had kind of everybody else's baby was sleeping, and you know, very diligently in the cot next to us, which of course, as we know, is absolute bollocks they don't want to do that they want to sleep on you yeah and, and, um, <laughs> which is a completely obvious mammalian response for them um and so I had this really kind midwife who said look why don't we just give them a sippy cup of um of formula and you know and I know that a lot of people might kind of think well that wasn't great because actually that's probably interfering with supply or the rest of it but for me at that moment someone just, just tell me that that was okay was so brilliant and it just mm. filled his tummy up and then he rested for a bit and it was great and so I, I will never forget that act of kindness because for me that was exactly just what I needed at that point mm. and then we did then very happily go on to combine feed him um for six months um because I was going back to work and that was kind of the right thing for me and that worked really well for us so it, I was lucky that it didn't interfere in terms of me being able to still breastfeed um, him so um, and actually that came fairly easily I guess it took about a good month to really get it all established but that was good yeah I think I think it comes a lot with these like when it, when we're talking about birth and, and especially first time the the preparation that we do or that we don't do because our bodies, we, we know that our bodies um, should naturally be able to give birth and breastfeed and all these things. And, and I definitely had the same thoughts in the beginning, just going, okay, the, I can do this because I'm supposed to. But yeah. the more we prepare, the more, the, the, the easier it comes and it doesn't have to be to be a struggle yeah definitely and we know that because the statistics and I think off the top of my head and I think I hope I'm right with this um is that eight out of ten people breast and um, stop breastfeeding before they want to because actually it's just we set people up that it's the best thing to do and of course there are enormous benefits to you and to the baby to breastfeed you know mm. look, I'm a big advocate for for choice but I'm a huge breastfeeding supporter if that's mm. the right word um but that's no good if you're not getting the support um and so I, I really don't subscribe to best fed because I think that that can really undermine people who want to breastfeed and then are not supported and help to do so um mm. best, best supported for me you know um is is yeah. definitely um and I was yeah it, it thankfully that sort of clicked into place fairly easily you know once I kind of got it I mean I had no concept of kind of what was sort of normal feeding patterns we we did have that book um your baby week by week which I still think is a really great book actually where it kind of just yeah. gives you you know they might do this or they might be sleeping for this or you know um Tim's a real yeah. organizer like so he had a whole like sheet of like how many nappies there were and I was, <laughs> I was taking my medications and pain relief after all, all that sort of stuff you know um so that's my yeah. kind of episiotomy healed and all those sorts of things mm. and we had good midwifery and um home um what's thing called um you know health visitor support so you know it, ultimately it was fine I just did not come out of it thinking that you know the birth was this amazing thing that um had, you know process that my body had gone through it really was not um 
was not how it was. I mean, funnily enough, I had heard of hypnobirthing because a friend had given us a CD, but I had very, which I put in a drawer, thinking whatever. That sounds like rubbish. Um, I, don't yeah. know, I mean, how the hell is me listening or relaxing going to help me to give birth? Um, uh, and I did actually listen to it a couple of times. I have to admit, probably about thirty-eight weeks, not really having any concept of the theory at all. And then Tim would sit on the end of the bed eating crisps, laughing at me. So that was. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very you know Enya whale music and all that sort of stuff and um so not really didn't really kind of um chime that well for me but and I don't think it made any impact clearly on on my birth experience <laughs> yeah. So, yeah sometimes I feel like hypnobirthing has shot itself a little bit in the foot by calling itself hypno yeah it's I, a lot yeah. yeah sorry go on <laughs> no, no no I totally agree and actually it's um so I have a real bugbear about it so and you might think well you've called yourself hackney hypnobirthing um and no. before, <laughs> I mean before I started I did do a bit of a straw poll with some friends who worked in kind of marketing and um whatever those acronyms are about you know how you kind of sell your business and all those sorts of things and they said actually and I said should I call it something else and they said no because that's what people are looking or the, the right people are looking for mm. um or the people that you want to teach are looking for and um so I stuck with it and it is my my business name is a bit that's what it says on the tin but as I often joke no one knows what's in the bloody tin because yeah. um because it's so um it sounds so hippie-ish and what mm-hmm. the hell does hypno me actually hypno is the greek for sleep and it's not about sending people to sleep or it's certainly not about kind of stage hypnotists and it's not about you know Darren brown and those sorts of things it's just about learning how to relax your mind and reprogram your subconscious to stop being afraid of birth yeah um, and so and I but I also have a huge bugbear and this is my own personal thing and some of my teacher friends do it and it's no shade to them but it just it's something that I find really annoying is where people talk about themselves being hypnobirthing and antenatal teachers and I know why they're doing that because there is this misunderstanding of what it is but the problem with that for me is that it puts hypnobirthing into a separate camp when actually what it is is complete antenatal teaching or certainly the way that I teach it I consider to be full antenatal teaching yeah um so you then have created this separate bucket about what hypnobirthing is um and um yeah and I sort of feel like like you say shooting ourselves in the foot actually by kind of introducing it to be this separate thing Mm But yes, yeah, so it's very great and everybody yeah. should use it and try it. <laughs> yes, they should. Absolutely. So, yeah. So the, yeah. then, so I was, the, so that was 2013 that he was born. And um, so my kids are three and a half years apart. And when we started thinking, I remember having kind of conversations um, about, you know, when should we maybe have another one? Because we knew that we definitely wanted to have more than one child. We wanted to get a sibling. And um, and to be honest with you, it didn't kind of cross my mind that I was going to have to give birth again until sort of I was pregnant again. <laughs> so clearly it hadn't had maybe, I mean, perhaps the psychologist would say, well, there you go. That tells you everything you need to know in terms of what you experienced. But um it was only until I was pregnant again at the end of 2015 that I suddenly thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to give birth again. And, um, <laughs> uh, and I, that wasn't great the last time. 
And it was around about the time that I was um, getting kind of interested in Instagram, sort of a similar time. Because before that, I was like, why are people taking pictures of their breakfast? This is weird. Um, and, um, but then um, I started to receive loads of targeted advertising, of course, because they know everything about us on these mm-hmm. for positive birth and hypnobirthing. And I encountered Holly de Cruz um, via Instagram. And then I sort of had pre who because I'd previously really dismissed hypnobirthing as this you know bullshitty hip hippie thing and I just there was something about her that just really resonated for me I don't know she just seemed really kind of normal and someone I might kind of you know be kind of hang out with you know someone kind of normal and um and then I started to read the positive stories on her website so um and thinking oh my god these are amazing people talking about their birth in really positive terms and um and uh yeah I it, it just I started following her and getting quite interested in what she was talking about and then um I just said to Tim I said I think we should sign up for this and he was mm. kind of like sure you know why not because it couldn't be worse I mean you know ultimately like it could it, it definitely could be improved upon but that way as an experience and so um she was based down in southeast london so she wasn't my nearest person i mean there were definitely there are loads of hypnobirthing teachers in east london as i'm sure you know um but uh so it was two courses I can't really remember how long it was so it was two separate sessions during the week we went down to East Dulwich I think it was and within about 30 minutes of starting the course I was like oh wow this is amazing um and I can't I I don't know whether it was the sort of the science-based stuff or it was the that it was all evidence-based or perhaps it was just Holly's reassurance that you know birth could be a really positive and amazing experience but I out of I think there were maybe six couples eight couples something like that we were the only ones who were second timers and um so I was kind of going in there as I had been to lots of other people to my shame now sort of being like well birth is horrible and um you know you've just got to get through it which was my absolutely my tagline which I now bitterly regret and perhaps that's why I'm such an evangelist (laughs) (laughs) kind of you know um apologize for that (laughs) excuse me um but um I yeah so I was kind of the one in the room who initially was a bit like well you know it's it was dreadful and and I think Holly very gently sort of said to me you know when you're doing that what you're actually you're still continuing this narrative that birth is tricky and not to say that she was in any way denying what had been my story but um it did make me think oh yeah okay and which I now know of course when somebody does that when you're told a negative story that it it radically alters your hormonal makeup you know you get huge surges of um adrenaline and cortisol and stress you know stress hormones from when you hear things like that and it just continues to fill up that um sort of subconscious filing cabinet that birth is a negative and traumatic experience um so I kind of I I put a stop to that quite quickly and then just decided to stop talking so much and listen a bit more and um uh so we had she gave us the Catherine Graves hypnobirthing book which I kind of devoured in the first week and then came back and said oh I've read it all and yeah it's amazing uh and I was listening really diligently to the affirmation tracks and to the relaxation tracks so I listened to that every single night and every commute I was listening to the affirmation tracks I mean we I was so committed to it and actually so was Tim so every night we do massage or we'd alternate that with the massage technique or with the um the scripts the relaxation script that we had as well 
I really threw everything into it. And I was honestly really excited to give birth, which considering my first experience seems odd perhaps, but uh, it was transformative. It, I honestly, it changed my life. Um, and it's kind of, it is a bit magical. And that again, makes it sound really hippie-ish, but it, because it, it's ultimately very evidence-based and it's really kind of clear and obvious in lots of ways, but there is an, there is a magic to it as well. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, just how much it can change the impact that it can have on you psychologically. Um, Absolutely. And it's just, a, it's about setting your mind yes. right, you yeah. know, and about however you feel about something that's going to help the outcome you know absolutely yeah totally and I think and this is what I say I, I mean I, I do free um sort of introductory sessions and people often book off the back of that and often they don't you know it's I'm, I'm glad to be able to kind of offer some uh, kind of just a you know a way for people to get a kind of foot in the door into hypnobirthing um but one of the things I always say on there is like, you know, if you are still struggling with the concepts of mindset and how that can impact our bodies, you know, I always say, have you ever woken up from a nightmare in a cold sweat? Because if you have, there you have had a something that was in your mind that has set off a physical chain reaction in your body. And that is often the hook where people are like, oh yeah, of course, you know, of course what we put in our mind matters and how that affects our nervous system responses and then how that affects the physicality of our body. Um, yeah, so uh, that's I think that's always kind of like, I always like to say that. And then it, I, I can see um, for the people who keep their cameras on, lots don't. But <laughs> <laughs> the people who do they're like oh the penny drops you know at that yeah because it Absolutely. could be a bit, a bit nebulous you know otherwise um so um now towards the end of pregnancy I was of course getting the induction chat again um oh yeah sorry I should also say we were sort of on the fence thinking oh maybe we could have a home birth maybe that might work for us we were always kind of on the fence about it I had a bit of a thing that I didn't we needed to have childcare for Ted if I had my time again, actually, perhaps I wouldn't be so worried about that and thinking oh, he could be part of that process. And I, th there are some of the most amazing, beautiful images of people with their older siblings, you know, their, their older children yeah. present births. And that's how we start to normalize what birth is, you know, as opposed mm. to coming back from hospital with a new baby. Um, but at that time, I just had a thing of like, I don't really think he should be there. I don't want him to be, you know, scarred by that experience, which, um, uh, that's what was my feeling at the time and also I was getting mum was coming up for that and I guess I didn't really feel like I wanted her to be part of that process either um some people you know some people definitely that's just not how I how I felt that for me felt like the right thing um so I went in for him uh so I had mentioned this to the midwife who immediately was like um well you're gonna have to talk to the consultant about that um so I had a consultant appointment and because of the complications uh, with Ted's birth so the fact that I had forceps the fact that I had episiotomy and therefore I'd also had this significant blood loss whatever it was a litre and a half of blood um, loss afterwards they were very anxious that I give birth on the labour ward now what I know now I probably would have argued the toss about it and just because I was on the fence about it in a way it sort of didn't it was didn't really matter but um I, it was quite an emotional meeting, but she was very respectful with me, the, the consultant. And I, I think I just at that point made the decision, well, okay, fine. It's fine. Um, I, um, I'll just do that. I don't know. I guess it was a sense of picking my battles. So we were down for another labor ward birth. 
but like I say, I think if I had had my time again, I probably would have sort of say, well, thanks for your opinion on that. But actually, because of it was it was so much intervention that was what caused um, that bleed. That was what the anxiety was. And if I had another bleed that if I was at home, they wouldn't have the stuff with them, which I now know. Um, but anyway, we decided whatever. OK, fine, we'll just do the labor ward. I didn't fight it. I just it was fine. Um, and actually, now I sort of feel like in a way it's it's sort of good from a kind of teaching practice of actually you can also have a hypnobirthing experience on a labor ward um, because I think there can be this narrative that hypnobirthing is only for home births in the pool with twinkly lights and you know or you know any of that stuff and actually it's for all births um every single birth um but anyway so regardless um I was having just to go back I was having the conversation about inductions coming up quite a lot I took Tim to that appointment with me and <laughs> because I was so frazzled and anxious about you know I'm going to decline this I don't want the in, you know induction whatever week that was that they were sort of starting to talk about it um, and they took my blood pressure, which was off the chain, like preeclampsia levels, because I was so worried and then oh. <laughs> about it um, in this tiny room. It was me, Tim, my midwife, perhaps another midwife was there as well, reading through my birth plan. Um, and um, but then I kind of, you know, did, uh, did a bit of my breathing, recentered myself and then was, it was fine. It was fine again. Um, so I declined it the first time. Uh, and then the conversation came up again and I just thought I cannot have this bloody conversation again so I just accepted it I just said look fine whatever but I made it a day later than they wanted it to be so I had mm. like, okay just so we have now put a line under this conversation that was what felt right for me at the time I'm not saying that everybody should do that but that was just what felt you know I didn't have the energy to sort of be you know fighting against it or whatever you know um anyway so that's what we did but in the meantime I was still really active I'd been going to um frame gym the whole way through and doing loads of prenatal exercise um particularly with Caroline Bragg who was incredible um who I've since taught actually which is lovely so we're closing that circle um and um Maisie for kind of prenatal yoga as well I mean I really felt probably the fittest I've ever felt in my life actually um it was great it was brilliant um but in the meantime I was doing that I was also having loads of acupuncture with Tara who was at holistic health at that point who is definitely a magical witch I mean I mean that in the nicest possible way and um, <laughs> um it was perhaps it was almost like counseling services honestly just being with her just chatting to her and kind of letting it out and um and I'd had some acupuncture on the Friday and something in my back was a mm, sort of twing and I thought oh right it's going to be tomorrow I'm going to go into labor tomorrow I just had this overwhelming sense that that was what it was going to be Hmm. Um, I'd also had a couple of sweeps actually because I um second time in my pregnancy I had four different midwives um who but they were all amazing and I felt really comfortable with all of them and aside from the induction conversation which I do have sympathy with midwives for it's a really tricky thing um aside from that I was felt really supported and well looked after um so I had a couple of sweeps just because I thought I I'd, I'd weighed up the risks and benefits and for me that felt like the right choice you know and that's ultimately the thing it's always what is right for you as an individual not for me it's nobody else's business what you do what you do with your body um, 
and but on that Saturday morning I just woke up and I was like it's going to be today I just know it and um but I and I was laboring all day but very happily very comfortably just kind of getting um sort of slightly more I guess period type pain um in my lower back and sort of the bottom of my tummy um but I kind of cooked a roast chicken I um I'm a, I'm a big choir geek so um it was the proms were on it was very end of august um august the 27th her birthday and um so the st matthew passion was on so um this huge piece of bark which i just love so i watched that <laughs> in its entirety um, <laughs> that's hugely emotional piece of music so i suspect there was probably a bit of a release with that too um I had a really long bath. I had a two hour nap, um, you know, all while kind of laboring away. But um, I wasn't telling anyone I was in labor. I just kind of knew I sort of just had this sense of like, this is what's kind of going on. And we just went about our business. And that is one big piece of advice I would give to people. Just ignore it until you can't anymore, because there will be a point where you can't. Yeah. Um, And then at 6.30, I really had to start. I was sitting on my ball at the table, I remember, and Tim had made us a carbonara. So it was a very carby day, clearly energy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, uh, and Tim, my son, Ted, fell asleep in his dinner, his face down into a bowl of carbonara. And, um, and so <laughs> it must have been all the carbs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, but I also think it was a sense, his instinct to get mm. out of the way because yeah. he's never done that before or since ever and so it's not usual behavior for him to have done that so I do truly believe that there was like a yeah I I this is happening something's happening here and the other thing that he did I should point out he went very very when I was early pregnant with Martha which I um took us two rounds this time of of my cycles to get pregnant so slightly longer but not long at all (laughs) but um, but uh he I was in the bath with him and he said you've got a baby in your tummy mummy and it's a girl um <laughs> and we had so it was yeah uh, kind of incredible I do think there is this like instinctive thing and that's one thing I'm completely obsessed with instincts and I say that to everybody I teach like yeah never under underestimate the power of instinct and or go against it because you won't feel good for it um yeah. honestly um anyway sorry I'm all over the place with the story <laughs> this is great I love it <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> yeah I I think I'm dyslexic so telling stories in a kind of linear fashion for me is very difficult <laughs> anyway. it's all good you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> um so um back to yeah so Ted falling asleep in his dinner so that was 6 30 and I have a time stamped photo so that's how I know um and I gave him a kiss and I was like um right I'm going into the bedroom now um, and Tim put him to bed um and um I I just had to I knew about birth environments so I had made it really dark in here um I was I think I had a funny film on um I probably would actually recommend that being a podcast instead of kind of looking at blue light screens in terms of melatonin production but anyway um that was what sort of felt right for me I was kind of moving around I had a really really hot shower with the um the the head my lower back that's where I was really feeling it um and kind of the bottom of my one tummy as I was kind of um having these surges and um I have this set, something for me that was really helpful was like banging my fist on the wall in the shower and making noise that was just the a very it was just what my body was telling me to do 
And um, so I was kind of in between, yeah, in and out of that shower. And then Tim came to join me. And I was definitely at points getting a bit kind of um, short of or kind of shallow breathing, short of breath, a little bit, you know, anxious, kind of um, I, I, I needed reassurance. And he was just amazing because he stood there. He put his hand on my shoulder and it would instantly calm me down because we'd done the massage techniques. He just talked mm. to me really soft way just really reassuring you're absolutely fine you're safe you um which was one of my big affirmations birth is safe um because I didn't necessarily think it was after Ted's to be honest with you um and he so he 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 just knew the stuff to say he um did the breathing next to me and I just copied it um and I always say this but if he had told me you know calm breathing I would have punched him in the face <laughs> <laughs> He was just um, so reassuring. And um, what he didn't tell me, thank God, at the time was that he had called um, the um, uh, cab, I think it was either an Uber or the mini cab underneath and told them I was in labor and they refused to take me to hospital. Um, but he, he decided to keep that to himself, thank God. And actually he, what was even better is he said, I've got Liz, our neighbor, who was my son's daughter's mum. sorry, my son's friends. <laughs> Uh, mum let me get that right yeah and, um, and she's a nurse and she's just lovely and I'd been spending loads of time with her towards the end of pregnancy generally anyway because I was well over the 40 weeks of course I think I was mm. 41 and a half perhaps and um and uh so that was great and so she drove us I um so he said I've called her she's going to be outside in a minute I've got the bags like he was he just took care of all of that and was so great at kind of protecting that space for me. And then, and also just being clear of like, this is, we, we're going now. He knew when was the time to go. And as we um, went out, I had my um, MP3s on, clinging onto every word with, you know, with everything I could. And I have to tell you, my birth, it, I, it was not pain-free. Like I was not in kind of this, like, you know, oh, um, every surge was just wonderful. No, definitely not how I experienced it. People do, but how I did um but um I didn't feel out of control that was the yeah. big difference um and that was partly I think due to one of the other affirmations which I just loved which was um every surge brings me closer to my baby because each contraction as I was calling them with Ted my whole body was tensing up I was virtually holding onto door frames like I just didn't want another one of them my whole you know such tension in my body with Martha with my daughter it was like okay great one down when's the next one because each time I have one of these my body's doing what's what it's supposed to be doing and it's going to bring her to me and that was transformative and I definitely previously thought positive statements whatever like how can that possibly have any impact but it really did it was um yeah hugely important to me mm. um, so that was it made a big difference um, and then once we left, my water's broken in the, in the stairwell of our um, flat, <laughs> the communal stairwell, all over my um, Nike sliders, which I, by the way, still own. Um, very yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I was like, okay, right, okay, things are happening. And actually, I think at that point, it was there was a sense of a bit of a relief, but then it did feel very, um, really intense after that because I didn't have that water cushioning um, between yeah. me and the baby. 
Um, so I bundled into the back of the car over the back of um, Liz's son's car seat um, in a kind of upward open position. There was no way I could have sat down with a car seat on, no way. I mean, that would have been horrendous. Um, and we're about um, a 10, 10 minute drive from the hospital. Um, but <laughs> And I had an eye mask on and I was listening to my MP3s. Um, but every light that could go red went red, I gather. Um, Tim tells me afterwards. So it took, it felt like an eternity. And actually... <laughs> What I now know is that I was in transition in the car. No way. There was no way there was, which is the point for anyone who doesn't know where you get a huge kick of adrenaline of like, I can't do this. This is horrendous. Like I just wailing for Tim, like really, you know, sort of profoundly feeling pretty worried and, you know, anxious, I guess. Yeah. Um, but as soon I opened my eyes once and I could see it's one more turning into the car park. And then as soon as we got into the car park, I said, oh God, I need to push. And it was so, <laughs> that was so reassuring. And that was the point I was like, oh, I really can trust my body here because I've been told that this is how I would feel. And I didn't have any sense of that with Ted because I had had, had so much epidural. Um, and I want to point out at this point, you know, it's not that an epidural is inherently a bad thing, but there is something that you need to understand with an epidural is if you have it uh, um, either late in labor or that you have lots of top ups of it, which I did, and then you cannot feel that instinctive kind of bearing down experience of the, the, the third stage of, sorry, the second stage of labor, the, the, the birthing phase. And then you, and you can't work with your body. So that's an important consideration, um, which I hadn't factored in at all with Ted. It was just not even part of the conversation for me because I didn't know any of those things. But with Martha being able to ex experience that sensation was so amazing because it was like, yeah, my body is just going to do this. It's going to do it. Um, I think the walk from the car park up to triage was what stopped her. Enough of that anxiety of like, uh, was what stopped her from being born in the corridor. Of <laughs> 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 that, that, like, you know, bags dropped, Liz went off. Um, uh, and uh, so we kind of, we bundled our way up to the triage. And I remember so clearly um, the getting into the um, kind of the waiting area where they kind of assess you and loads and loads of other people laboring away and thinking, oh my God. And the receptionist didn't even turn around. Like she truly um, just was, wasn't, couldn't have been less interested if she tried. And then I think she actually, she, yeah, she kind of did a kind of like, okay, give us me, give me your book, give me your book kind of thing. It's so routine for them, I'm sure. Um, but Tim banged his fist on the counter and said, she's had a previous PPH and she needs to push now. And suddenly <laughs> the doors fling open. I mean, God, everyone in that um, reception must have been so annoyed with me. <laughs> But um, I presented with a wheelchair to rush me into the room. I got into mythical, the magical room seven, by the way, which is the only one with, at Homerton with a plumbed in birth pool, which was what I wanted. Um, fantastic. But because she was too quick, there was just no way I was going to be able to get in there in time. Because <laughs> all along I've been like, what room seven? And what? I mean, they now have loads of portable pools. It's great. But um, so I got that wish in that sense. But it was was not to be a water birth for me. I've still not have experienced a water birth. Um, but um, I, I then I, there was no way I was going to sit on that um, wheelchair. So I kind of flung myself over the back of that and then got wheeled into the room. 
and still with the mp3s going on i think i had the eye mask not over my face but perhaps on my um forehead at that point because i was up and sort of seeing what was going on <clears throat> and um fly into the room up onto the bed so um i have this instinctive response there was no way i was going to lie on the bed on my back i was going to be i was i was over i sort of draped myself over the head of the bed um and um and that's a really a very common um position for people actually because if you have your arms lifted up and over what i have re only recently discovered is actually the physiological reason that you do that is because it um helps to it's where the whatever those muscles are in your back they, they they start at the pelvis and so by having your arms up and over your head you are increasing your pelvic space now i had no idea that's what that was but it was just what my body was telling me to do so oh, i'm great endlessly fascinated by biomechanics and all that sort of stuff yeah um, definitely it's so fascinating um mm. for anyone who doesn't follow molly o'brien she is an absolute queen and i have yet to do her course but there is something that's on my um agenda for next week next year rather <laughs> certainly not Great. next week <laughs> because um, <laughs> fascinating um yeah. And uh, so I fly up onto the bed and I'm so in this zone of like, right, I'm going to birth this baby, that I hadn't taken my pants off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was introduced to various members of staff, no memory of that whatsoever. Just, and they said, look, you're going to have to remove your underwear. I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, whatever. You're like, oh. um, so, <laughs> and I'm wearing this like cotton stretch Jersey dress that I've been wearing for the every day, virtually the end of pregnancy because it was the height of summer, you know, it was just yeah. And um, and then and sorry, in that time, I hadn't had this kind of like bearing down urge that had just stopped. And I think, like I say, it was that move from getting from the car park up to there. My body was just like had done this kind of okay, not here, not here. We'll stop things. Um, so yeah, so got into, um, up onto the bed, and then as soon as I was there, it came back. It was the, this really strong urge of like just um, of a, a sense of evacuation, I guess um and this moving down and I just was just breathing with it and Tim um we had kind of talked about um the very uh, sort of visualization I was working with was this inflating and deflating a balloon that was kind of how I kind of could um visualize my breathing and Tim stood next to me and um just said the balloon remember the balloon and that was really helpful to me. And um, he handed over the birth plans to them. But because it was so quick, I think they didn't really have a, a sense, a, a time to read it, really. Um, I think they absolutely would have done. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that they were looking through it. Um, but um, one of them was starting to coach me to push or I could get this sense of like, OK, start to breathe. And Tim was brilliant. He just said she doesn't need it. She'll do it herself because we were very clear that I did not want coached pushing. I was just going to work with my body and they were very respectful of that they were like sure okay so that I um I I remember sort of a feeling that they had kind of moved back a bit and Tim was next to me and that was all and we were sort of in our own little bubble really um and then um you know I won't deny the kind of the crowning phase was pretty um stingy and I'm pretty sure <laughs> saying to Tim I'd sting um and um so when we got in we put the machines on um to kind of you know whatever that machine is that they when they're monitoring stuff it, well, I wasn't tagged up to anything but I guess it's just for them for their numbers or whatever um mm. and um it was 10 minutes from that point to the point that she was born I mean it was really quick and that is oh, quite wow. yeah yeah it, it's quite typical second time for it to be quicker not always you know um but often uh, a quicker birth second time um 
but I get so actually looking at it, my active labor was two hours, but I was no question in labor, very comfortably laboring from the, when I woke up in the morning at nine, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, whatever it was that morning. Um, yeah. But just kind of not really just ignoring it really it's only with hindsight that I sort of can tell that that's what it was yeah. um so yeah so she was born and so um really quick 10 minutes in the room it was almost exactly to the minute 10 minutes and um to the second rather and um so she was born and then I remember just saying I did it I did it <laughs> so elated um I I'd actually I do also remember at one point asking for gas and air I definitely remember thinking oh god you know I, I need a bit of gas and air and I think that's quite an important point because there is it's not that there's this I, I'm really proud that I didn't have um you know that, that I had the birth experience and that I'm I'm glad that I didn't have um medical kind of um or analgesia or whatever you know pain relief but I definitely would have appreciated some gas and air. You know, it was just so that it was the luck that it was quick. Had it been going on for longer, I definitely felt I would have benefited from having a bit of gas and air. That's what I would have yeah. started with. Um, so um, and I think that's quite an important thing to say because it's just that was how that kind of manifested. It wasn't that it was, you know, it was my intention to not have pain relief. But if I needed it, I definitely would have. And I and I did ask for it, but it was just that, a bit too fast by that point. Yeah. Um, and sorry, go on. Um, I don't know. I was just going to ask. Um, so how how was postpartum and breastfeeding this time around? Did you prepare any for that? Or Yeah, well, interestingly, no, I, <laughs> I didn't really prepare. But I think because I sort of thought, OK, I think I, I've got the hang of this now. Um, so uh, when uh, I remember she didn't make a sound when she was born, she was so this is my daughter all over on her own terms. Right. So she she because we had left her, I mean, aside, I guess, from the suite really to kind of come when she was ready. And um, she uh, she just blinked up at me. And in that moment, I totally knew who she was. It was amazing. It was and I had that incredible surge of, oh, I love you you know, immediately. Mm. And, um, and she was kind of guided at my Tim pulled my dress up over my um, head and um, she was placed onto my chest straight away. And we can, you know, delayed the cord clamping for as long as we could. Um, I did have a cannula place because of this risk of PPH, which didn't happen. And I'm often is a shame because I hate having any kind of injections into my, I have very low lying veins, which is horrible. So it was, it had to be in my hand. Um, <laughs> But um, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Ironically, she was more difficult to feed than Ted, which I think, um, well, in the sense, well, firstly, she had a tongue tie. So um, so after, because she was born at eight, eight o'clock at night, it was either eight or 8.30, one of them's 8.30, one of them's eight, funnily enough, both on a Saturday. <laughs> um, they we stayed in because there was no pediatrician to kind of get her signed off but I honestly felt like I could have walked home with her I mean I was so high I was I felt so amazing I felt so kind of like just euphoric really but we decided that we'd stay in and I sent Tim, Tim home because I was like I'm fine I can deal with this and I and I didn't sleep because I was just too kind of excited and happy and you know full of oxytocin um uh but I I kind of I tried to sort of feed her in the room straight away and that was proving a bit difficult and it just didn't feel quite right um uh I, although I maybe I hand expressed some um colostrum so she she definitely got that um I hadn't pregnancy um I never leaked it um it was it which lots of people do um but I hadn't kind of done any kind of pre um uh birth 
um, you know, hand expressing. But I did yeah. after she was born. Um, but the pediatrician the next morning looked and said, oh, look, I think she's got a tie. And that was kind of really reassuring because it, I knew it didn't feel right. I knew I couldn't get her latch quite right. Um, and I'm very glad that we had that and had them there. And they also did the check on her ears. And because it had been such a fast birth, it hadn't cleared out a lot of the liquid. So we had to see a um, uh, kind of a, go to like one of those clinics to check her hearing after she was mm. born. Um, and it was just literally that the, the fluid hadn't been able to um come out because it was she sort of flew out really um and um so the first 10 days of feeding her I have to say were bloody agony because I just couldn't get her to latch properly with this tie and at 10 days they snipped it at the hospital I was very lucky I could um I got part onto the scheme there that they were able to do that and that made a big difference but it took a good um six weeks to really nail that and then I was away and it was amazing the slightly annoying part of it was that she absolutely abject refused every single bottle we presented to her oh. <laughs> because we really wanted to again combination feed for that for us that was just would have been the kind of the perfect solution because um I think it would have it, it Tim really enjoyed being able to do that um it gave me a bit of a sense of um freedom bit not that you know um I think that everybody should have to do that but it was just a kind of what was kind of good for us and unfortunately that didn't work um and and it took until my mum about eight months that she would finally take a bottle and I was going back to work maybe eight or nine months whatever it was um and so I fed her um pretty well exclusively through that whole time not for you know want of trying <laughs> to get a bottle um but um I'm very grateful for both of those kind of feeding journeys and um yeah it, it, I I really um yeah I did go to kind of some kind of breast reading um you know drop-in clinics and stuff we're very lucky in East London we have a lot of that support out there which is great um, which I think is really helpful I don't know in terms of kind of um figures in terms of um how many do breastfeed but um it, on kind of from a um you know national level or whatever yeah I remember that also it was really really good too there was this breastfeeding cafes and stuff you could just go and get a little bit of help and and have a coffee and chat with other mums you know yeah, just that so mm -hmm. great so reassuring um really really helpful you know and um and I I was lucky I had my kind of I'd met I made a little group of kind of mums from um frame who were so brilliant um who um so we'd meet up with them quite a lot and then I was doing quite a bit of postnatal exercise I mean I really am not an exercise person at all I mean really <laughs> I, I hate it but during so prenatal and post natal it was really great I was it, and it really helped my mental health as well afterwards I, yeah. I I I will always be very grateful for that um it's just having a mom to kind of chat to you know um the funny thing is I mean there is also this narrative that you know hypno babies who are born where parents are doing hypnobirthing always really calm lovely happy babies and that can be, that does seem to be a trend um Martha was not that baby <laughs> <laughs> she was, was not as chilled out as Ted so um so that in my case it slightly bucked the trend she she's just her very much her own person her birth was incredibly gentle and calm and she was so happy and calm when she was born uh but she could hold her head up from birth like she was and I have a photo of her at birth hold, Tim holding on to her and she's got her arms like pushed against his chest like I am my own person and I'm very headstrong and very independent. Um, and wow. yeah, it, it really, it's really fascinating to me. Um, she's very sweet and cuddly and all the rest of it um, now, but she, she has a, she, she, you make no fool of Martha. 
<laughs> whereas, whereas Ted is way more of a kind of um, people pleaser, performer, um, sociable. Um, he's not shy at all, you know. So, yeah, very, very different birth experiences, but has not seemed to have necessarily impacted them for their um, lives. But the, the impact on Tim and I was... Um, yeah I mean so fundamentally different and um I also um uh encapsulated my placenta with her as well which again I previously thought was like oh that's gross I didn't even yeah. know my placenta with Ted you know but we grow an organ I mean how amazing is that yeah, it's it, so amazing I'm so I'm so mesmerized by placentas also yeah. I'm yeah. such a nerd when it comes to looking at them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, funnily enough, I'm not like one. Of, I'm not sort of a person who coos over how beautiful they are, but I am utterly and endlessly fascinated by the fact that we grow a disposable organ, um, yeah. nourishes our baby, and we should at least look at it. I mean, you still, you know, you it's your property. Shove it in the bin, but look at it first, for God's sake. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so amazing, and um, and so that came home in a Tupperware box with Tim because Tara, who did who did my acupuncture, was doing that for me as well, and um, she was away camping, so I had to come home and sit in off <laughs> for a bit, um, and then go in an Uber over to her house and be encapsulated. Um, and I um I mean I'll never I, obviously I can't do a randomized control trial on myself of course not but I I felt really I was full of energy I felt amazing and I I do I wonder if the pills contributed to that I suspect they probably did um and um yeah so postnatally in the set aside from the kind of challenges with the feeding it was night and day you know I was not dazed I wasn't adult I wasn't on a kind of a rotation of drugs I, I had a very um, small tear that had required stitching um but um but that healed no problem at all um and um yeah it was really profound and then I just became this like mad evangelist for hypnobirthing I was just everybody I could talk to I was like you've got to do it it's going to change your life you know and um uh and I I think I converted so many friends into do it or you know convinced friends to do it and then for, for a long time I was just and then I, I sort of people sort of said you know what would you want to do and I said you know given your life choices what would you do <laughs> and actually the thing that I would often say is oh I'd love to be a hypnobirthing teacher but you know oh no I can't do that and there's loads of competition and I'll never be able to get anyone I'll never no one who would, would listen to me and all those sorts of you know, doubting sort of voices. And then one day I was sat with Tim on the sofa and we were just kind of, I think it was just after, maybe just before or after Christmas um, in 2019. Yeah, it must have been just before Christmas. And he said, why don't you just book and do a teaching training? And um, I was like, oh, I guess I could do that. I mean, you know, aside from the financial um, investment, I'm not, I can't, I'm not gonna lose anything. Um, and so I did and I trained with one school so I trained with Catherine Graves because actually to be honest with you I didn't really do any research and I just had because I'd read that book that was kind of who I I didn't really know there was different types of teaching in all honesty and because that's what Holly done and um I trained with that and um it wasn't quite for me um and that's no shade on her um teaching at all it just didn't really speak to me in the way that I wanted to teach so I did the training and then I, I got my diploma and then I just as I was sort of finding my way through my first kind of bits of teaching which I put off for ages because I was so nervous about it and just didn't do it for a long time um and then I uh then I came across the birth uprising girls via Jen Muir um badass um doulas um uh, badass birth I think they're 
name is rather and um I instantly just found them really funny and engaging and I thought this seems a bit more up my street and so I then I retrain or did a kind of conversion course with them and that's the course I now teach and um and lovely thing about that is I have a kind of over a hundred teachers doulas nurses midwives um in that um teaching group who I probably talk to them more than I talk to my family in honesty <laughs> it's um it's so lovely to have a kind of a group of teachers and it's not about competition at all it's about collaboration and who you can kind of talk to and sometimes it's a tough job because you know we do everything we can and we give the people as much of the information as they can and they and even if every everyone does everything that they should be doing and on the all you know the practice and the relaxation work and all the rest of it birth is unpredictable and the Mm. system is perhaps well, no, it, no I'm just going to say it definitely is not set up to support physiological birth you know um unfortunately uh and you know that is not about slagging off midwives at all or obstetricians in fact um it is just about limitations that are so difficult for people to work within and sometimes people don't you know or often people don't get the birth experience that they are aiming for and that can be you know hard it's it's a very emotional work um yeah and uh and it's just really great to have people who really understand that um because within that kind of world um but I wouldn't change any of it because it is so it's just amazing to be involved in people's lives at such a um kind of get not vulnerable um that's not quite the word I'm looking for but kind of such an important part of their life and to be asked to kind of help support them is you know the greatest privilege yeah um, so yeah I do love it but it, it comes with its you know emotional work as, on, on, as with that as well um yeah of course but yeah, I, yeah, but I love it. And um, I've taught well over a hundred people now. I've actually lost count. I probably should do a bit of a count up at some point. Uh, That's wonderful. Uh, That's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. I know for something that I really genuinely thought, oh God, you know, that this is never going to work. And who, why would anyone come to me? What do I know? I'm not a midwife. And actually what I constantly reassure myself of the fact is that actually birth is not a medical experience. It's a physiological one. And um, uh, and to kind of misquote uh, the wonderful Kemi Johnson, who was one of my my first teachers, um, birth is a physiological experience that occasionally needs medical intervention. And we have got to a point, unfortunately, uh, where it's a medical experience that occasionally happens physiologically. And that cannot that should not be how it is, you know, ultimately. Um it's so it's just trying to sort of redress that balance and confidence that you know your body really is set up to do it and of course there are times where we need medical intervention or you know of course and thank god we have that we're so lucky to have the expertise and the you know the um you know uh help where required but ultimately actually if you can really trust in your body and understand and and sort out your head um then it's yeah can be profound um yeah yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, right. So I guess we have mentioned a lot of references already. I've made notes throughout when you've been speaking. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna try to um to link to everything on your yeah. show notes page. But could could you just do your um just where the listeners could reach out to you specifically if they, if oh, they yeah. would like? 
Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find me. I'm usually on Instagram way too much. In fact, um, <laughs> at, um, so at Hackney Hypnobirthing um, and my website is um, hackneyhypnobirthing.com uh, and you can contact me on either of those. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my main, I'm trying to just keep it to two um, <laughs> channels. <of laughs> yeah. But I've got some kind of things in the pipeline, which I'm kind of working on a bit at the moment. So, um, but yeah, um, yeah, do get in touch. And I do um, lots, I do free um, kind of introduction to hypnobirthing kind of calls that are on Zoom. Um, so if it's something that you're thinking about, then um, then do come along to that. Or, you know, even if, in, you know, I'm very conscious that not everybody can afford to invest in it, in hypnobirthing. I completely understand that. Um, but that's just a way that you might, you know, come away with some kind of tricks um, and some bits and pieces. That, oh, that is great. Um, yeah, it feels important to be able to do it. And I really enjoy it. I used to absolutely dread it. But actually, I just kind of, it's kind of fun. It's just conversation, really. And yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, I just want as, as many people as possible to have a um a positive birth experience and most of that is about how you the decisions you make and how you feel that you're treated um as an individual through that process um yeah. more so than the um the outcomes in a way yeah, you know. absolutely um, I totally yeah. agree Great. So thank you, Anna, so much for coming on and and sharing your beautiful birth stories with us today. Oh, thank you. Um, Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, sorry, as I say, I would talk 10 to the dozen. (laughs) I love it. Until the cows come home. (laughs) It's great. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Have a good day. Cheers. Thanks again, Anna, for coming on the podcast today and sharing your beautiful birth stories with us here. So if you'd like to reach out to Anna, you had all of her uh, links to her socials and everything before. If you want to send me a message, you can send me a message on the nine months podcast at gmail.com or head to the website nine months podcast.com. You can also head to patreon.com slash nine months podcast if you would like to pledge your support for this podcast and for the work that I put in to bring you new birth stories every week. So check that out. Um, follow me on Instagram, nine months podcast also is the tag and yeah send me a review or send me a send me a message on if you're thinking about something nice just let me know (laughs) and uh yeah we will be back next week with another episode have a nice week